creeping dread returns, and I am out of bed, pacing among the shadows. Something strange is upon us, I know it, something I cannot name. Be it curse or blessing, I am not sure, but it comes for me, like some mystic messenger, and tugs at my sleeve. I dare not ignore it, for it calls. Quietly I dress, and quietly I leave my room. Anne will come, I tell myself. In the dawn stillness of the castle, I make my way to the kitchens. Anne is a servant's daughter, a servant herself. She rises early. We are friends, despite the great discrepancies of our birth. We are six and ten years now, but we have been as sisters most of our lives. My mother, Saints Rester, would bring us both to play beside the gentle brook that just beyond Elsinore runs. She cared not what Anne's station was, only that she could be a friend to me. I believe I loved Anne instantly, for she made me laugh like no one else save Laertes. It has been thus ever since. Anne is the careful one. When I find her in the scullery and tell her my design, her eyes open fully, and her pretty mouth falls. No! she gasps. No, Leah! Yes, I say. Tell them I've summoned you to assist me in washing my hair. Your hair has just been washed she reminds me, a mere four days past. I lift my eyes to heaven. Then tell them something else, but you must come. Anne's chin trembles. To the guard's platform. That is what I said. But why? I confess I know not. I sit down on a stool and pick up an apple. But I feel I must go. The moon wills it. Some secret knowing shudders inside me. Secret knowing, (laughs) ha! Anne, more herself now, snatches away the apple and returns it to its basket. You go only in the hopes of finding the prince there. I eye a tray of meat pies. Anne slides them away with a snort. Why would Hamlet be about at this hour? I challenge. I know not, says Anne. It is only that everything you do these last months touches somehow on Hamlet. You sigh whene'er he walks past. It is no wonder that I should assume it is he you stalk at dawn. I do not wish to argue, I tell her. Then add pleadingly, you will join me. I shall be whipped, Market. You are never whipped. Let us go now. After but a moment's pause, Anne says she will accompany me. I never doubted it. She sees to a simmering pot first, and then we make haste. From the kitchen, through the cavernous hall, outdoors and up the moonlit stairs to the guard's watch. The air bites our faces. Already my slippers are damp with dew. Oh, I am awake and alive, even in the gloom. The vast stoniness of the walls is colourless but for their dusting of quartz. We climb toward the sky as it swirls above us. We are high, so high where only men are allowed. This fills me with more than excitement. Anne says I was born to misbehave. Perhaps she is correct. In the east, the sky is milky grey, not yet daylit. Anne hears them first. Shh! She hisses, grabbing my sleeve. I stop to listen. The voices approaching are familiar. One, in particular, is that of Horatio, friend of Hamlet, schoolfellow at Wittenberg, a guest at Elsinore for the funeral but gone these many days. Anne's eyes gleam with surprised joy. Horatio hath returned. Apparently. 
Horatio is quite beauteous, built coarse and lean, with wide shoulders, tall as well. Anne is taken with him, verily. I've seen her look upon him as a starving man might look on bread. She knows that Horatio, before his departure, did believe he loved me. But for all his beauty, Horatio was not for me. And to his great credit, Horatio quit his courtship when he learned of Hamlet's intentions in my regard. That, I always felt, spoke of the depth of their friendship. From the guard's walk, I hear the officer Marcellus and Horatio as they greet the guard Bernardo. It is a moment before the dull-witted oaf notices that Marcellus has been joined by Horatio. "'What? Is Horatio there?' he inquires. Horatio's golden voice ripples with his response. "'A piece of him?' "'Any piece is sufficient,' Anne whispers to me with a grin.' 